This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Good morning, you're listening to Pressing Matters, the show where we go behind the headlines and explore issues driving the press. I'm Shazana Mokhtar. As the country celebrates 65 years of Merdeka and 59 years since Malaysia's formation, we take the opportunity to reflect on the evolution of Malaysian public media and where it's heading in the post-2020 era. Joining me for this discussion is Zaharom Nain, Professor of Media and Communications at the University of Nottingham, Malaysia. Good morning, Prof. Always good to have you on the show. Good morning, Shazana. Now, before we go into the specifics of Malaysian public media, could you maybe start us off by helping us understand what exactly constitutes public media? What does this term mean? Well, there is no one definition of public media. It should be public service media. If it's public service media, then effectively it's media that's meant to serve the numerous publics in, in a particular country or nation. Yeah, uh, Public media often is just seen as government-owned media, Yeah, part of uh, the Ministry of Information or Communications in any particular country, as are some of the uh, organisations we have in the context of Malaysia. I would argue that there is no such thing as a public service media in Malaysia. Uh, when they talk about public media, uh, often, and, and rightly so, they talk about the impact of the state on that media or the influence of that state on the media. It's normally a media that is set up not for profit, but for serving the peoples of, of, of a country, right? Uh, and unfortunately, that uh, role often is just given to governments of the day, believing that all governments are, be, are benign, but unfortunately, governments are not benign, yeah. And governments are made up of human beings and groups who want to use whatever they can uh, to effectively influence the people. And the media plays a very, very important role in this kind of situation, together with education, the education system, together even with official religion. So when we talk about public service media, we—that is, those of us who who want a, a strong public service media—we're talking about media that effectively is paid by taxpayers' money, yeah. And therefore, the main role of that media is to effectively benefit the various taxpayers and the, the citizens of that country, not the government of the day, yeah. Um, so when we look at public media, we really should be thinking about who who benefits from it, who who the end users are, and that's really um, the people of a particular country. In Malaysia, which bodies carry the functions of public media? And I'm thinking of RTM, Radio Television Malaysia. I mean, that's kind of the obvious one. Um, are there others also that fit the bill? Well, traditionally, we think about Film Negara, uh, formed in 1946, but uh, became a uh, part of FINAS. Uh, they joined up in FINAS, I think, in 1980, under the 1981 FINAS Act. Uh, and then uh, for news, uh, they have Bernama in that sense, yeah, to essentially control the news from outside sources, from outside Malaysia, and disseminate what they feel was the right pieces of news for our newspapers and other uh, media to essentially disseminate to the country. All right. So RTM, Film Negara and Bernama can roughly be categorized under public media. I do want to focus on RTM. Um, and maybe you can walk us through the history of how it was founded. We know the introduction of a radio service in Malaya, as well as Sabah and Sarawak. They're legacies of British rule. So in brief, how, how did this evolve into the RTM that we know today? Well, the RTM that brought in TV came in in 1963, what we now call TV One. There was only one television channel at that point in time came to the picture. 
And uh, in 1963, it came about not through an act of parliament. Yeah, maybe people think that you know these things all came through in the, in a proper way. It came through because of a cabinet decision at that point in time. So anyway, 63, they came into the picture. It was supposed to be modeled along the BBC. Uh, it was set up by a fund, I think, by Canadians who came up here to help uh, to to design it. And since then, it has grown. It became TV2 came into the picture a bit later. Color came into the picture a bit later. You must remember, this was those days of black and white. And as it grew, I mean, its aim was essentially the same, apparently, as, as what uh, Finas or Philip Nagara's aim was. The idea was to disseminate information to, to the general public. The assumption was that the general public needed education. You know, it's a new country and so on and so forth. And we know best. It's always going to be top-down at that point in time. Finas, or uh, Film Nagara, if you can see, made a lot of government sort of uh, programs, films, essentially. Uh, but it was also part of the anti-communist sort of endeavor during the colonial period, 1946, right? Uh, during the emergency. So unofficially, uh, it was meant to be a pre-independence effort you know, under the emergency to combat terrorism, uh, or what is still called communism. Yeah, uh, It was part of the colonial attempt at removing the left political movement from Malaya then, right? And and to, to a large extent, that 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 worked in that sense, yeah. So one could see the kind of propaganda uh, role that was played by Philip Nagara and later RTM also. If you look at the, what was uh, what has been written about RTM from the beginning, its aims, its motivations, it's always about it's always a top down kind of situation. We know best, and therefore we have to impress upon the people this is how the country should be. Moving ahead, yeah. So again, when when you see it that way, if you have, like I said, if you have benign governments, that's fine. But but benign governments are free, few and far between in this world. Right? So that's where the idea of a public service has to come in. But unfortunately, if it's set up right from the beginning as a government department or a government affiliated organization, then invariably it's not going to be thinking so much about the people as, as it is about extending the, the rule of particular governments, as we have seen in the context of Malaysia. And I guess that also explains why perhaps RTM isn't really seen in the same light as BBC, even though when it was set up, it was modelled after the BBC, which is very public service oriented. It was modelled, but it didn't have the guidelines that the BBC had, yeah, uh, the the ethos was and still is very very different, yeah. Uh, that I think that in many countries, including Malaysia, the ethos of public service media is not understood or doesn't want to be understood by those in power. It's about giving their power away, yeah, uh, to some board of directors or whatever, uh, who will then work on the on on behalf of the people. And, you know, uh, this is whole feudal mentality, you know, that governments know best. You know? Uh, unfortunately, we have to see, we have to open our eyes and see that this hasn't, hasn't come true at all. This isn't true at all, yeah? And, and wake up to that fact that we need institutions that are independent of governments because governments are just there to facilitate the setting up of those organisations these organizations in turn are not paid by governments. They're paid by our taxpayers' money. So we have that obligation to demand public service to be really public service, I feel. Yeah? Mm. Prof, earlier you mentioned that um, because our 
public media bodies don't necessarily have a public service orientation, um, the content that they come up with, is it accurate to say that any content that um, state-owned media comes up with, this is propaganda? I mean, is that a fair assumption or is that a fair label to apply? I, I believe in the concept of, of autonomy, that we, even within these organizations, there are individuals and groups uh, who believe in their craft, who believe in the profession rather than believe in essentially kowtowing to governments of the day. Uh, and they are. They might be few and far between, and I think we should be encouraging them apart from working towards the public service media. So I don't think all of it is propaganda. There's a lot of fluff there. In any case, I think there is a silly kind of notion or belief, uh, again, this is a very, very paternalistic notion that we know best and therefore our programs, whether they're TV, radio, film or whatever, are supposed to come from our perspective so that you can know. So on, on the one hand, you see that kind of paternalistic notion, so which is essentially an old-fashioned, very narrow view of what society is like. It's not deliberate propaganda. That's what I would say. Yeah, But on the other hand, there is deliberate propaganda. Uh, you know, So you, you have a, a combination of those two, uh, you know, and plus the fluff that's there, you know, uh, even sports many, many years ago, it started off with Rahim Rizali saying, Majulah Sukan Untuk Negara. Yeah? Uh, and then he changed that. Later it changed Majulah Sukan Untuk Sukan, if I'm not mistaken, something like that. So you can see, the, even with the early slogans that they had, there was always this link with the state, as it were. People might say that, it, that, that was fine then, but it later developed into linking with political parties in the state, as it were. Yeah, Then it became strictly propaganda, very bad propaganda. That And now we know that that propaganda cannot work anymore, primarily because of digitalization with the internet. Yeah, uh, You just cannot control the information as, you, as they did then, which I'm very happy about. But of course, they say, you know, well, there's too much channels, you confuse the people. Again, it's a very paternalistic, patronizing notion that the people do not know. Yeah, uh, But that's how they, they, governments have to operate that way in order to, to maintain control. Yeah? Mm -hmm. I'm speaking to Zahar Omnain, Professor of Media and Communication at the University of Nottingham, Malaysia on public media institutions in the country. We'll have more from this conversation after a quick break. BFM 89.9. Thanks for staying tuned to Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. I'm Shazana, and today I'm speaking to Zahar Omnain, Professor of Media and Communications at the University of Nottingham, Malaysia. We're discussing the evolution of public media in Malaysia and how the nation benefits from effective public service media. Speaking of the BBC, and we use this a lot as, as the current benchmark of what an independent government-funded media organization should look like, even the BBC is um, currently facing challenges um, to stay afloat in a changing media landscape with digitalization, as you mentioned, um, with the current political pressures that they're facing in the UK at the moment. So there's no perfect model per se in existence when it comes to what public service media um, looks like. But from your point of view, I mean, what examples do you think Malaysia should emulate in its public media service delivery? What kind of principles need to be in place for public service media to, to actually take root and flourish in Malaysia? Well, uh, if you're looking at particular institutions or countries, everybody starts, I feel, with the BBC, yeah? Uh, because for, for a long, long time, it's established itself as independent. It is, you know, uh, authoritative, uh, you know, uh, internationally as well. 
but uh, there are countries uh, around the world, uh, certainly in Scandinavia, Sweden is a good example, uh, where such principles of public service are being followed and, very, and, and put across very, very well. In terms of what the ethos of a public service media is all about, well, if one is independent, it has to be independent, independent from governments, independent even from pressure groups. You cannot have a public service media that only serves a particular religious group or, you know, uh, that, that's not the way it is. There must be this kind of ethos and it has to be clearly spelled out right from the beginning. Two, a public service media not only is independent, but will challenge not only governments of the day, but will challenge current perceptions of what society is all about. Yeah, is a media that will discuss, for example, feminism, gender relations, LGBTQs. You cannot push them aside because these are groups and individuals who are part and parcel of our society, like it or not. This learn to discuss these kind of issues, not only discuss from your perspective, but bringing in the numerous individuals and groups that are involved, right? So that, that's the kind of public service media we're talking about. That's inclusive, not exclusive, yeah? Uh, and third, they should be freely available to the to the public. Yeah, for a long, long time, the BBC, for example, was based on a kind of licensing that fee that we paid uh, in the UK. The idea was to make very good programs that could be sold around the world, and they did, and they still do those very good programs. But of course, the pressures of commercialization came into the picture, and then they had to take in advertising. Yeah, but underlying all of that must be this idea that advertising or groups cannot control the editorial, the ideas that are there, right? Uh, and therefore, availability for everyone concerned is the third, very, I think, very, very important issue that needs to be held, uh, that needs to be there. So I think these are the three main issues, yeah? Independence, challenging norms, and being freely available for the rest of the people. I think we should start from that notion, that is a hands-off for governments and pressure groups and so on and so forth, but they can come into the picture in discussions, in debates, and so on and so forth, yeah, within that kind of public service media. Mm. The historic change of government back in 2018 heralded, for a short time at least, the possibility of reforms towards a more independent and inclusive public media. How much progress was made towards these goals, if at all, during that time? And I guess... Do you have any lessons that you draw from that change in government and, and just how prepared we are really to um, create a public service media for Malaysia? Yeah, one of the first things that we saw with the new government that made us feel a lot of despair was that the emphasis was on commercialization of many of us felt then, yeah? That somehow the belief was that the opposite to state control was the commercialization of the media, which is essentially... Uh, rubbish. Yeah? We fought this notion for a long, long time, nationally and internationally, that commercialization will bring about its own controls and restrictions. Yeah, And again, it becomes very exclusive rather than inclusive. Yeah? People, the elites will control the media, elite tastes will control the media, and the marginalized will not be provided uh, information. Uh, the, the the myth that the commercialization will bring freedom, uh, you know, was a myth that I think was was quite easily taken up by the by the PH government uh, at that point in time. But the idea of uh, a hands off approach, I think that was what was good about the minister then. I think it was Gobin when we talked about setting up a media council, for example. Uh, his argument was that you guys designed this. It'll be a hands-off for me, yeah? And that's a good thing because then, you know, the media 
people got together. It's about self-regulating the media council. Of course, that's been that's been shelved now under this government. But uh, that I think was one of the good things about the the government and the minister then. Yeah, he 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 listened to possibilities of of uh, the media personnel themselves, the media personnel actually taking control of the media. So it was too short a time, yes, and there were problems with it because of a lack of understanding of philosophy or ideology as regards uh, uh, what public service media is all about. It's a lack of understanding that's been going around for a long, long time. Exactly. These things take time, really, to change mindsets, to change philosophies that have been in place or to change practices. Um Okay, Prof, you mentioned this earlier as well, and and I'm coming at this from a government's point of view. You said so yourself that a government that has control of the media is very powerful. Why why would a government um, give up that control then? I guess what kind of arguments can we uh, use to persuade our current government to really pay attention to ensuring that public service media becomes more of a reality? Uh, The reality is that technological uh, advancements have come into the picture. I talked about digitalization now. Right from the beginning, we were discussing about who watches RTM, for example, right? Uh, the field has expanded. Yeah. Uh, so maybe in 19, the 1980s, when privatization came into the picture, it didn't really expand because TV3 was still very much under the hands of the BN and so on and so forth and political parties. But things have changed with digitalization, whether we like it or not. The credibility of the all media has been questioned, at least since uh, the reformasi days. It's just that there were no real alternatives then. Yeah, and then Malaysia Kini came to the picture. Other organizations like BFM, like uh, Astro Awani, have, come, have modernized and, and taken on this advancements brought about by digitalization. So a lot of things are very quite borderless now, no matter how much the government might want to control uh, this kind of stuff. Uh, it's, it's there, you know, it's there on the internet. Yeah, That is the reality now. Yeah, uh, The old media is suffering. And if you continue to want to just put your ideas through the public service media, which is what old media is all about, then you're going to have a very little audience out there. So I think there must be a rethink as far as that's concerned. For me, I'm not happy if the old media suffers because I'm someone who believes in a variety, yeah? And, and the possibilities that are there uh, with the old media, too many, too many things now are just uh, short clips of what's there. We cannot learn just through that. There must be documentaries, I feel. There must be long, extended magazine programs, for example, which only the old media at the present moment have, have the resources, I feel, right? On, on the one hand, it's, it's silly for governments to try and control because the, the credibility is at an all-time low. On, on the other hand, there is a need to provide liberation for the old, old media, essentially because, you know, for me, you need that kind of variety. And, and a variety is what leads to a very, very successful democracy, I think. Yeah. So you have to, as it were, go with the flow <laughs> to some extent. Yeah. There's a lot that's good about the new technology. There's a lot that's bad. Or else you're going to be fighting fake news, you're going to be fighting social media that's essentially not based on concrete evidence. And the people, they they won't know what to believe and what not to believe, yeah? Uh, That's not 
what education should be about. It's about being, being able to liberate the minds of people. So it's really about government survival as well. A savvy government would think of it as reforming public service media um, yeah. for the long-term benefit of the nation and as well as their own interests. Prof Zaharum, thank you so much for this conversation. Many more, uh, many more points that we can unpeel in the future. Uh, thank you again for speaking with me today. Thanks, Susanna. Thanks. Thanks a lot. I've been speaking to Zaharom Nain, Professor of Media and Communication at the University of Nottingham, Malaysia. This has been Pressing Matters on the Morning Run. We have the 10 a.m. News Bulletin coming up, and then the good folks at Enterprise will take you through the rest of the Monday morning. Stay tuned. BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.